So one time I thought that I could wing a stand-up comedy set with a puppet. <laughs> oh my god! In third grade at a talent show, and I went up onto the stage and I didn't say anything. And then I, the next thing I knew, I was walking off the stage, and so. You're listening to Primeval, the podcast about how much we hate Amazon. In Amazon news, Natalie, what is the worst part about shopping? Finding finding what you're looking for, I guess, for me. Trying it no, out. that's not correct. <laughs> well, now imagine, if you will, walking into an actual grocery store and grabbing a cart. As you casually stroll through the bright aisles, you toss vegetables, canned beans, and meat into the basket. You grab a magazine, throw that in too, onto checkout. However, instead of waiting in line, you simply walk out. As you shop, your vegetables, grocery items, and even the People magazine was charged to your Amazon account. You are good to go. Would that cause delight? Bring a smile to your face? Just the idea of it is making me smile. <laughs> yes, me too. Um, <laughs> did that answer what the worst part about shopping is? Um, like paying for it? Yes, talking to the person when you hand them your card. Having that little bit of human interaction is insufferable. And, and the fact that they're making money, um, even a small amount of money to do that, that makes... Yeah. Okay, so that's from a July 14th, 2020 article called the Amazon Soups Up the Shopping Cart by John Markman, who reminds me of just like every weird like milk toast guy from Rexburg, Idaho that... <laughs> like teaches CS at BYU-Idaho. It was published on thestreet.com, which is referring to a device called Dashcart. Quote, Dashcart is the genius of Amazon.com in a nutshell. Make customers happy. Uh, end quote. Dashcart, quote, promises to do for grocery stores what smartphones did for e-commerce. End quote. You know, I think the most impactful thing about this new attribute to shopping is that it further removes the consumer from being aware of the money they're spending. So you go into a store, you fill up your cart, and you're like probably not doing the math in your head. And then instead of having it be added up like in front of your face at the checkout, it's just magically di disappears from your wallet or from your credit card or whatever. And um, that's a great way for Amazon to make more money. Yeah, well, that's... I didn't think of that in particular, but I read a long time ago that Jeff Bezos, one of his uh, goals and in the way Amazon has uh, positioned itself is to make shopping second nature um, so that you don't even think about it. And so I think it would uh, increase uh, impulse buys and stuff. The article quotes uh, Steve Galloway an NYU business school professor who wrote in 2017, Bezos's ability to paint an extraordinary vision, i.e. Earth's biggest store and register steady progress against that vision is rewarded with the cheapest capital in the history of business, says Galloway. And 
cheap, period, capital, period, is, period, awesome, <laughs> period. And we Oof. can truly see how awesome cheap capital is with dash card. God. Is that a quote? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so don't go to NYU business school or you'll turn into a soup brain person. Um, okay, by the way, according to an August 27th article in USA Today, cheap capital requires that you swipe dash cart using the Amazon app on your smartphone uh, and that you only purchase two bags worth of groceries to give the cart sensors enough time and space to tally your items properly. Amazon's first fresh store opened on August 27th, last Thursday, from when we're recording this, on Topanga Canyon Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley. It is invite only for the time being, locals only, and it's next to a C's candy. <laughs> cool, huh? <laughs> cool, yeah. Okay, one more news item. Another news. 1,200 delivery workers in several states may lose their jobs as Amazon cuts ties with logistics firms. USA Today points out that these cuts won't cause package delays for customers in nearby areas. So we can all rest easy knowing that Amazon customers will continue to be delighted. I think that's pretty normal to, to cut ties with delivery firms, but um, Amazon's definitely... Uh, pushed for smaller um, logistics firms that will be easier to push around than UPS, the USPS, FedEx drivers I've learned today are not unionized. So there's oh, that, wow. but it's that FedEx model that, uh, that they're really pushing for where drivers are basically paid half of what like U UPS drivers even are paid. So anyway, um, 1200 drivers, Probably will be out of jobs by uh, the end of September. Well, is that because Amazon's growing their own um, delivery networks? And maybe they'll be hiring those? The article didn't say. Um, and this is not FedEx. These are small logistics companies. And they're basically, I found evidence that Jeff Bezos and, well, you know, Amazon in 2018 was definitely pushing for smaller logistics companies by giving them like good deals on vans and like promises of uh, steady uh, throughput, like package uh, volume and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if these companies started because of that, like, sort of like buying a FedEx franchise or something. I don't know if these particular companies started because of that, but uh, quoted in the article, Amazon's decision to end their contract definitely uh, was a primary decision in these people, like just closing up shop basically. So yeah, wow. It's good. So no, uh, no cashiers at the Amazon fresh store. And I mean, there will be other drivers, but you know, They'll probably have less experience, probably be plenty of excuses to pay them less, that sort of thing. Yeah. That is the end of the news for today. Great. Bits of news. Um, well, yeah, I guess we can start getting into this article. Um, so this is an article called Prime and Punishment, published by The Verge in 2018 and written by Do Josh D. His name is actually... Um, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I don't want to mess it up, but it's D-Z-I-A. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's like Dinesh D'Souza. I think, I don't know, D-Z-I-E-Z-A. That's Josh. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, this was like kind of a long article, but I recommend anybody to read it if you want to get more details. But um, basically, it's about Amazon's oversized power and e-commerce market. And they have a really complex system for managing their the third-party sellers on the Amazon marketplace. So this article was really highlighting how frustrating it is if you as a seller on the marketplace get flagged and suspended. So Amazon's methods for handling complaints um, by users are built into the marketplace for better shopping experience. And it legitimately suspends spam accounts and money laundering schemes, etc., because they'll flag and um, halt your account, freeze your money until they resolve the problem and then um, presumably reinstate your account so you can continue selling. And this is specifically for the marketplace where sellers, out, like third-party sellers outside of Amazon are able to sell their own goods or um, resell goods from companies that refuse to sell on Amazon outright. So they'll go find them at like Target and then sell them for a slight markup through the Amazon marketplace. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know. Uh, I mean, that's obvious people would do that. But uh, I remember uh, like forever ago in, in college, uh, I would shop for used textbooks and they would usually the ones that weren't offered with like prime shipping or free shipping. Like you don't even you didn't even have to be a prime member to get like free shipping if you ordered enough stuff. But they had to be like designated by Amazon as to qualify for that. So I'd order like the cheapest textbook and still have to pay shipping because it was just some person. And I assume it was just some college kid with one textbook. And right. anyway. Which that person can still sell there, but increasingly it's like bigger, bigger companies of these resellers. And sometimes they'll have their own warehouse and do their own shipping. But more than often, Amazon offers that infrastructure. They, um, with like warehouse space and fulfillment and even um, banking or like financial services, which oh, I can't with those <laughs> details. I know. <laughs> curious about those details, but they yeah. kind of just barely mentioned it. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like it's a like pseudo government structure that's kind of been tacked on and developed over the years of sellers abusing it and then new abuses get new rules and then the new rules you know begat even further abuses and so on so it's kind of been um, built in this way mm -hmm. and um, it's partially automated and partially human monitored and it seems like that combination is particularly infuriating for the people who get um, who get in trouble with Amazon as a seller. Yeah, so sometimes I think because of these algorithms trying to scour their their database for issues, something really minor can trigger a suspension warning. So there's an example they, they gave in the article. A listing for a rustic barn wood picture frame was deemed unsafe and taken down. And after searching through what could have flagged Amazon's um, sensors, it turned out that the offense was a single customer review that mentioned getting a splinter. The customer had actually given it five stars. And the seller was allowed back when they promised to add wear gloves when installing on the listing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these type of little infractions can make your entire company unable to sell if this is your primary platform for selling. 
Um, and then in the article, they explained, you know, some of these companies are really big and one day of, or even weeks of suspension, they'll start having to lay off people or liquidate or sell, like sell warehouse space. Um, Cause they rely so heavily on Amazon, which it's like, yeah. A testament to how messed up it is. Right. It, it's interesting that Amazon has made it so that in in a lot of cases, that's the only place where you can sell like certain types of products. Um, and so like their, you know, capricious um, flagging process, which did they put like splinter in like a list of terms to watch? Because it, it's doubtful that some person, I mean, who knows? Could be a person who gets paid like 20 cents a, a comment that they read or something and they just like make a decision based on reading like 50 comments an hour or something like that and right anyway i bet you it's a, i bet you that part is in as a system looking for keywords because it sounds like the any human resources they do actually use are for addressing appeals oh yeah that's the most infuriating process it sounds like because you can, if, you're, if your account gets suspended, you can make an appeal. And usually when it is suspended, they'll give you some really vague reason. Like um, use marked as new was an example. And this seller had was selling new items, but their account became suspended because a comment mentioned that a label was peeling. And so, <laughs> which is so minor, but then their entire system gets taken down because... <laughs> That word gets flagged and then you can file for an appeal, but the people that are reading those appeals have to process an average of one complete one project, an average of every four minutes. And so the system favors rejection. Oh, yeah. The people that are there, they're like, well, I'm just going to reject this. I don't even have time to read it or find out what's going wrong. Or sometimes they can, um, what they were calling it, punt it by just asking for more information. Mm. It sounds so frustrating and I'm not even explaining it well because it's no, yeah, more no, complex. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's like uh, that study, I, I don't know, something I read a while back saying that judges before lunch like give way more uh, guilty verdicts and it's like that right. it's simpler to give a rejection. Uh, and then I guess punting it would make it so that the person remains suspended for um, yeah, well, it allows them to remain suspended instead of being instead of failing or being rejected for their yeah, appeal. Yeah. You only get one appeal. Oh, and then, wow. okay. Yeah, and then um, that you're able to re. If you then they ask you for more information, you offer more information, and it sort of keeps the um, the negotiation open. But mm. then the people mm. handling it can they can't say they can't construct their own. Um, information for you, they have to reply with canned responses. Um, so even if they could see the problem and say like, oh, it was because of this peeling tag, they're forced to just give you a canned response, like something like use marked as new. And so this is where an entire um, market of private consultants who specialize this in this, basically studying this Amazon law of their internal government come in and um, you can pay these people to help you figure out why your account was suspended and help you get reinstated because it is so infuriating and long processes. And they, they go into a lot of detail about the desperate measures some of these sellers will go to in order to get reinstated. Like bribes and stuff? 
Yeah, or one guy went to China because he, he kept not being able to get in touch with somebody. And so he went all the way to China and bought a little Honda that he lived in for a couple of months while he was trying to reach some an actual person in the office in order to get in order to work on getting his account reinstated. Just so kind he of got to live in China. <laughs> I, I want to do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> so he had an opportunity to have a cool life experience. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I mean, sure. It's a good way to look at it. Um, (laughs) I think one of the most stupid or just annoying parts about it is that Amazon doesn't care because there's tons of sellers like competing for space in the marketplace. So if your account gets suspended and flagged or whatever, just another one's just going to move up in their ranking. Yeah. Actually, because it's such a competitive marketplace, there's over 6 million sellers on Amazon Marketplace. You might even have, or they've, they have examples of other sellers sabotaging the um, accounts that are ahead of them in the ranking in order to move up, Whoa. which is kind of crazy. Um, so in particular, when you go to the marketplace, it's not apparent who you're buying from necessarily. You're mostly just looking at products and all of the third party sellers are somewhat invisible. And um, so I think that's one of the things that creates so much competition is because you're looking at this one product and there will be 15 pages of listings for that one item. And they're all just competing to, to be, to show up earlier on those pages. Um, I know when I would try to sell like a microelectronics textbook or something, I'd try and like put it in the bottom third of prices. Mm. Um, and, and so like, I don't know, probably in some ways this could be a good thing in that, uh, you know, you globalize the market or the supply, I guess. And uh, everyone has to compete with like the lowest price in the world, basically. Sure. If someone, eh, you know, just like people complain about NAFTA, people complain about all these trade deals. And a big part of it is competing with labor and costs in, in countries with lower costs of living than ours. So it drives everyone down and maybe good for like, a consumer with a good job, but not good for um, someone who's scraping by selling junk on Amazon or, you know, trying to work to make these items. Yeah, who? there's so many weird effects this probably has, um, but at least one of them is this seller sabotage. So, and this is where their governing system kind of comes in. Sellers will, in order to get better rankings, not only making your price competitive or low or working on other SEO and stuff like that, they'll actually try to get other accounts suspended that are ahead of them ranking. So it used to be like you could buy one scheme was you just buy some five star ratings for your own for your own company. And then great, you look like you have a great rating. But then of course, Amazon suspends accounts for doing that. So nobody can buy five star ratings. And so the new trick is to buy ratings for your competitors. And the more obviously fraudulent, the better. And then that seller gets flagged and suspended and you move up. Um, <laughs> That's That's so like petty. It's It's so funny. funny. They had a lot of awful examples. One of them was about like if you are able to get an item, like a toy, for instance, if you're able to classify it as 
sex toy, then you have to be, the seller has to be 18 or older to view. And so your rankings will be, will be changed. You won't be, your item won't appear in this regular marketplace of all ages. And so Mm. that's another method. And I think they must use hacking. I don't totally know how they would change some information like that, but they, they do. And then, yeah. By the way, um, I think Discord might be censoring us because when you said sex toy, oh. I only heard X toy. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> good, but That's I think funny. they might not like that, that word. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, and then another one, y'all might remember this from when hoverboards were really popular, you'd see photos of them like on fire, like, oh my gosh, hoverboards explode. But it seems like that might've actually mostly been from this seller sabotage thing. So one of the ways, hoverboards are really popular. Someone, a competitive seller comes in and buys one from your shop legitimately. And then they take it home and they set it on fire. And then they take a photo and they say, this hoverboard exploded, it's a dangerous product. And they leave that as a comment or you know a review. And then of course, Amazon comes in and flags and suspends your account because you're selling explosive products. <laughs> and so that was happening left and right with hoverboards because it was such a hot item. But I remember seeing that all over, you know, Twitter or the various news. Yeah. Yeah. They were banned on like the subway and stuff in New York when I lived there. And, uh, yeah. Like I'd see them around all the time and then they just disappeared pretty much. Was it uh, one brand would uh, try and sabotage another brand or was it another class of items that was trying to get rid of hoverboards in general? I think it was, I don't know about brands, but certainly sellers. Like even if two sellers are the same brand, but seller B wants to move up in the rankings, they'll do this this sabotage move in order to suspend whatever, any account that's above them just so, so they can get more yeah. So Amazon's, uh, yeah, their appeals, their examination process is so stupid and brittle that it would think that the same item with this like potential life-threatening safety concern, but it's dependent on the seller rather than the product itself. Yeah. (laughs) It it looks like, I I wonder too, even if hoverboards, I doubt that they really even were explosive. Right, yeah. Really, it became this a big issue, quote unquote, but really was just, I, I'm, and I'm kind of speculating here, but it seems like sure. this was blown out of proportion and probably very few, if any, hoverboards exploded. Mm-hmm. And then I'm reading that um, allegedly the reasons they can explode is because of poor installation of batteries, which, oh. then, which is like, okay, so that's on the seller or okay. the who's distributing it instead of the manufacturer because this, that's okay. what does that make sense it's a way to get yeah. around so, the so amazon wins this round but it still means that you can sabotage someone else's uh yeah and claim that they just they did the batteries wrong and not like yeah. i'm so that hoverboard and it's fine because i know how to manage the batteries but they're yeah. selling the hoverboard and they don't know how to manage the batteries that's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid yeah yeah uh, man that's great they, yeah. We should get some of these uh, scammers on here. I want to talk to good scammers that like just rob Amazon. Yeah. It'd be interesting to talk to some of these like creeps. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be fun. Um, but yeah, so I kind of, the last thing that sort of struck me about this article was sort of a footnote or like they barely mentioned it, but one of the private consultants that they interviewed 
who specializes in helping sellers get reactivated if their account becomes suspended. Yeah. She was talking about how they, you know, she makes her living this way as a outside consultant just to help people in this really specific scenario. And she sort of mused that she wouldn't be surprised if Amazon started offering that service as a something you can pay for through their platform in addition to warehouse financing and fulfillment and now legal support like internal legal support um which i thought was kind of a dark concept especially because that particular um person they interviewed said she was she would be on board she was like yeah what once it's just a matter of time before they do this i'll get i'll go be one of their legal sounds great yeah just kind of weird to me sounds like some sort of soviet bureaucracy not a shining example of freedom like the free market provides and also just the concept of like i'm creating a problem for you (laughs) you pay me to fix the problem i can help you figure out how (laughs) problem i created it just sounds so it would be a shame if you didn't pay for this legal protection. Yeah. Um, Do you want to buy insurance for in case your account <laughs> gets suspended? Like yeah. we offer. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past them. No. No, that's great. Good. <laughs> this is awesome. Well if any of y'all want more details on on that, the article is very thorough and interesting. And we'll have a link in the show notes probably. But also you can find it just by searching Prime and Punishment and it's like the first article that Yeah. And it's on the verge. I remember that. Yes. Cool. Well, now on to Bezos Watch, where we talk about uh, what Jeff Bezos is up to, how he's doing. According to Bloomberg Billionaire Index, his current net worth is $202 billion as of August 30th. Oh my God. Um, so Jeff Bezos' net worth passed uh, $200 billion as pandemic boosts wealth of world's richest. That's an independent UK article from August 27th. Um, so $202 billion, that's 1% of the US GDP. And so let's say I had $202 billion. A couple of years ago, I bought Mortal Kombat for Sega Genesis at Video Games New York for $20. I used Video Game Store. If I had $202 billion... I could buy 10.1 billion Mortal Kombats, <laughs> which, if I laid them end to end, they would stretch three to four times the distance to the moon. So, oh my God, there's a a useful visualization. That How too. many copies of that game were actually produced? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I just bought one. And my friend found it in his closet because I was staying with him, and I left it in there, and he threw it away because he didn't know where it came from. Oh, oh no. But uh, I don't think 10.1 billion Mortal Kombats were produced, but and it would be a bad way to get to the moon. But you could do it if you <laughs> if you tried hard enough. And all right, Natalie, are you ready for a Bezos fact? Am I? Wait, say it one more time. Uh, are you ready for a Bezos fact? Yes, I'm ready. Uh, Miguel Bezos, Jeff's adoptive father, was an engineer for Exxon. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to go on to uh, the section where we talk about Amazon reviews. Yes. How fun they are. This so, is my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. It's the whole reason for doing this show. <laughs> um, today's game is Guess the Product, uh, and it's a game based on Amazon reviews. So I'm going to read a few 
uh, reviews. One of them actually ties into what you talked about potentially, but uh, you don't win anything if you guess the product, but maybe I'll buy you this product. But, right. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna just blank out the name of the product, but uh, this is a five-star review titled Awesome. Five, three people found this helpful. The review is from 2017 and it's a verified purchase. Okay. What does that mean? Oh, um, I don't know. I mean, I assume that it means that someone, like they filled out a, a form or something. I'll have to Did figure out what verified purchase means. Because yeah. it's like on YouTube, you can verify your account just by attaching your phone number, basically. So oh, maybe it sounds a little yeah. more like, you know, on Twitter to get the blue check, you got to have some clout to, to become a, a blue check, right? But for, uh, oh, go ahead. I did find, I searched just really quick and amazon.com says a verified purchase review means that we verified the person writing the review purchased the product at Amazon and didn't receive it as a deep discount. I've, Interesting. So I wonder I'm, if that would prevent, like if it's simply them checking their sale records um, yeah. to that particular individual. Um, oh. And like, anyway, this is the one that I think uh, to me sounds like a, a fraudulent review because it's worded so weird weirdly but uh in all caps it says love and then blank two exclamation points it brings me back to my childhood yes it is a little sweet but the nice thing about the blank is that you can choose how much you want to add i was so happy to find this product on amazon and for such a great price it was packaged very well and arrived on time exclamation point huh. your first review all right all right i'm gonna go to the next one um this is a, a one-star review by someone named Reader of Books. It is not a verified purchase. And no one found this review helpful. <laughs> and it's titled, Taste is Off, dot, dot, dot. And then it says, Fructose. No, thank you, with a vomiting emoji. Any guesses? Wait, that's the end of that review? <laughs> uh, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of feel like it's like fun dip or something. Oh man, I love fun dip. Yeah, fun dip's great. <laughs> it's not but, fun dip, but but you don't add fun dip to anything, right? Yeah, or you, you add it to your mouth with a stick. You were awesome. You would. <laughs> yeah, I like to put fun dip on my cereal, and you can make a tea out of it and stir it with the stick. <laughs> okay. All right. Next one. It's a five star, and okay. it's titled helpfully just an opinion. So don't uh, don't feel bad if you don't agree with it. <laughs> this is a verified purchase. Three people found this helpful. Blank makes the best flavored blank. Blank out market them on the West Coast. This is another brand. Out market them on the West Coast. But flavor speaks for itself. That's why blank, the good brand, is the choice of institutions and restaurants. What the hell? This is sounds like a purchased review. <laughs> yes. Okay, now I'm thinking it's like Ovaltine or Nesquik or some. Oh man! Am I okay, close? So what uh, What's the good brand? Blank makes the best flavored chocolate syrup, and then blank outmarket them on the West Coast. Who is that second blank? Who's the first okay. one? Who's Hershey the probably is the first one. Nestle's the first one. Hershey's uh, the uh, one, but. Uh, Hertz is the apparently the West Coast powder. 
or syrup, but uh, Nestle is the choice of institutions and restaurants. Well, according to their opinion. Yeah, don't feel bad. <laughs> I agree. Wait, did you add in the not feel part, or is that? I added that in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, was, did you have more prepared, or did you think I'd guess so quick? Um, I, I figured you'd get it after three or four. Um, and I had five. I'm going to read the five. They're both one-star reviews. One's a verified. The It's titled, Never Order This One Star from 2011. I ordered this product three days ago. The picture is exactly what I want. Nesquik with calcium. However, when I open it, I did not see exactly the same Nesquik syrup as the pictures show. I don't think this is a native English speaker, but, um, like, not too. Like, sometimes it's fun to point out, like, ridiculous, uh, spellings and grammar but sometimes it's just you know someone who doesn't speak english first language says i want to return but i just found out that it is non-return item now i understand that i have been uh tricked badly (laughs) i am learning the lesson never trust the picture they post to sell it is not right wow that's really sad (laughs) i wonder tricked badly i love how they spelled trick again not to make fun of them but this is a really great spelling t-r-i-c-t-e-d oh that is pretty good yeah fanatic even as a native english speaker you've seen all of my writing is like raw with typos and um (laughs) so i I feel for even native speakers who yeah totally yeah (laughs) but uh okay this last one is my I'll probably cut that out because it's an actual name. <laughs> but oh, right. uh, the it says uh, the review is one star, not verified. It's titled Would Be Better With Chocolate from 2019. Thanks to the Food and Drug Administration, the ingredients of a food product must be listed in order of predominance. The two main ingredients in Nesquik are sugar and water. Cocoa powder is also listed, and there may be some trace amounts, but there's no chocolate flavor. Instead, it tastes similar to shoe polish, with an acetone finish and a bisphenol A aftertaste. That, and it's sickeningly sweet. The only reason for buying this product would be if you want to get more refined sugar into your child's diet. If you have a taste for chocolate flavor, I instead recommend Hershey's Simply 5 Syrup. So this guy must be a West Coast guy. Yeah, or a representative of Hershey's. Yeah, well he's not an institution or a restaurant, so. Oh, you did it, good job. I actually looked up Strawberry Quick. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, They lumped the reviews for Strawberry and Chocolate. Um, and oh. each review actually indicates which flavor they're referring to. So, interesting. Was the one that said sick, too sweet, the very first one, um, was that Strawberry? Uh, that was Strawberry, yes. Cute. Great yeah. review. Great, great <laughs> segment. <laughs> cool. Well, I thought that went pretty well. We're not podcasting pros, but uh, I had fun. Uh, yeah, so maybe longer, they may be shorter. We'll probably have guests on. This is the first uh, real episode. Yeah, I'm excited to do more of these. Yeah, me too. So um, we'll have a Patreon. This episode's posted. It would be at slash Patreon slash uh, Prime underscore Evil. So you have to use that shift key to get to that underscore. It's just as simple as that. Um, my name's Chris. Uh, 
You can find me at Serial Flakes Media, which is a relatively new Instagram page. And uh, I've got a YouTube called Serial Flakes YouTube channel, which is videos I make. Uh, I was kicked off Twitter recently, and I don't know when I'll be able to get back on because I'm going through their uh, Byzantine uh, appeals process. But uh, we'll see about that. And Natalie, where can people find you? I'm all over the place, but uh, you can find my Instagram at Natalie underscore C-A-E. All right. Well, we don't have a sign out yet, but uh, there's probably going to be some music here. Um, we want to use uh, good band camp music, anything like that. We'll probably throw in some 15-second clips of songs that we don't own, but we promise to pay for those albums and at least yeah, give you all that it. And if we ever make some real money, then we'll start paying people better. But at least we'll buy their albums. We can promise that. Great. Cool. Well, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody. All right. Uh, we'll see you <laughs> next time. Thank you for listening to the Prime Evil Podcast. This episode was produced by Chris Perkins. Our intro music is a mashup featuring The Slits and Interview with Jeff Bezos. And our outro song is called Now by Austin-based band Late. Yeah.